0: What's up, Slick Talkers? I wanna promote a quick little thing that we're doing at Good Morning Hospitality called Good Morning Retreats. This is our first ever retreat, and we are hosting a hospitality training retreat at the Horst Schultz Hospitality Training School in Auburn, Alabama. Now, this is going to be July 8th through the 10th, and it's for operators only so if you're a property manager and you want to actually dive into the inner workings of providing hospitality and not just the operations of your business then this is what you need to do and sign up for so go to goodmorningretreats.com in order to get into an intimate setting with other operators just like you if you go to the website you'll see the published agenda and other things around the whole retreat we're excited to host you and if you're going to the retreat already and you've already confirmed your spot we can't wait to show you what we have up our sleeves for this event now let's move on to the episode thanks for tuning in and like always i hope you guys are enjoying the podcast Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Slick Talk the Hospitality Podcast. I'm excited because we are seeing the rise of professionalism in our vacation rental industry. Hosts are now evolving to property managers and property managers are now professionalizing in how they operate and systemize their business. Just take this episode, for example, you're going to hear from Andrew Kitchell, the CEO of Wheelhouse and how they're using their platform and tools in order to make this all happen and available for everyone in our industry. You can also take a look for Hostfully, for example. They've created a platform for hosts and managers and owners all alike to centralize their operations, their inboxes, their calendars, as well as connect to all the tools and resources they need in order to continue to move forward as we recover from COVID-19 and the year that we call 2020. In the show notes below this episode, you can actually see links to both Hostfully and Wheelhouse that I've set up just for you, my listeners of Slick Talk the Hospitality Podcast, to go get benefits and discounts for these products and services. Now, if you have any questions, you're more than welcome to reach out, but right below in the show notes are links directly to these companies. I hope you guys enjoy this episode and continue to move forward and be a part of the movement and the rise in professionalism in hospitality.
1: In the short-term rental space, you are competing against, if you're a two-bedroom, you might be competing against one-bedroom and four-bedrooms. We need to pace you against all of those. And again, since the consumer looks different in the short-term rental space, people buying for a particular, you know, that adventure they had in mind, we need to know who's buying your place and therefore, like, how does your comp set shift over a week or over a year? So there's almost a lot more complexity to um, short-term rental management. What I like to say is 2021 is the year that hotels start to learn revenue management from short-term rentals, as opposed to vice versa.
0: Welcome to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast where we discuss all things hospitality, hotels, and business. You can find us online at slicktalkthepodcast.com and on every podcast listening platform. All right, everybody, welcome back to Slick Talk, The Hospitality Podcast. Once again, I'm your host, the one and only Will Slickers, but today I have the one and only Andrew Kitchell, who is the CEO and founder of Wheelhouse, plus many, many other tech and hospitality businesses in the hospitality industry, obviously, because we're a hospitality podcast. So Andrew, my friend, we've been talking for a little bit. You get me all energized. You get me all amped up. Thanks for being on the show and welcome to Slick Talk. Thanks so much.
1: Super excited to be here. We've got a lot. I know we've kind of talked about the many things we can cover today. Excited to dive into all aspects of our rapidly evolving hospitality space. Ready when you are.
0: <laughs> yeah, let's do it, my man. So let's just, we we usually cut the, the the small talk out of the podcast and we just jump into who who's Andrew. What is your background? What's your origin? That's why I really love to start because then it just opens up like a little beautiful flower and we get to discuss so many topics. So let's, let's, Find out what is the origin of Andrew Kitchell. Sure. Well, specifically the
1: hospitality, let's just start there, give you all the short and sweet. Um, so I would say I was very lucky to come into the hospitality space right when this crazy notion called airbed and breakfast was kicking off. And this was back in the day when it was still, it wasn't called Airbnb.com yet, right? It was airbed and breakfast, and you were still expected to serve breakfast to any guests who came and stayed at your home. And I literally started leveraging that platform. Uh, I was in San Francisco. I lived with a group of folks and I actually paid for my first business by renting out my room on Airbnb and breakfast. And it was uh, a type of way where I could reduce rent. I could I could have a little bit, a bit of extra cash for, for travel. And I had this very funny thing where people would show up at my door and I'd welcome them into my room and I'd say, great, well, I'll be down on the couch if you need anything. And it, it was this kind of golden era of, of Airbnb breakfast. and breakfast. And you know, since we were an early host, uh, kind of, I was an early host in San Francisco. I got kind of the, the privilege also of hosting Brian Chesky and hosting mm. him for a couple of nights and having CBS news show up at our door and say, so what the heck are you doing here? You're sharing your room with a stranger. Why would you do that? So that was 11 years ago. And ever since then, I've been hooked on the category. And I, th- I think I've been hooked on the category for two main reasons. One is the opportunity that we all have in hospitality to meet so many amazing people. Mm-hmm. Right, that has to be part of the drive in this business. Is how many great people do you get to work with? Do you get to meet, etc.? That's part one. Yeah. If you like, if you like meeting people, hard to think of a better spot to be, right? Part two is um, really I've I've seen Airbnb for a long time as the greatest unlock of creativity in the history of hospitality. And by Airbnb, I'm really going to use it to say the short-term rental space writ large. But it's the notion that an individual now with a camera. And a personal brand can set up a business that attracts others. And when, when the barrier to creating a hospitality ba- brand dropped, as it did with the rise of verbo, Airbnb, booking others, it was um kind of this kind of this great unlock that I said, Well, there's there's gonna be a long I kind of believed in the long evolution of the space. I still think we're in the second or third inning. I still think professionalization of the space is going to come, but it's just this um it's a category that I thought was massive, misunderstood, lowered the barrier for so many more of us to play in the game. And I've just been fascinated by it ever since that was 11 years ago to now building multiple businesses in the category along the way.
0: Well, speaking of multiple businesses, what was the first one that hosting your, your room on Airbnb or sorry, air bed and breakfast? What yeah. was that? What was that? Give me some details. I'm curious. You got the entrepreneurial wheel spinning.
1: Sure, 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 sure. So I, um, I decided to launch a publishing company right as the iPhone was hitting And actually the publishing company was specifically designed, uh, it was a language guide company called 30 Words, and it was designed to help people start conversations with those they met when they traveled abroad. And it was an idea I had from teaching abroad, uh, kind of this notion that you really don't need that many words to be able to start connecting with those you meet. And the Mm -hmm. magic of travel is is unlocking those kind of, at least, uh, at least a big part of travel for me is adlo- uh, unlocking connections with those who live in the spaces to which you visit. So if you wanna go even back to that, I, I, my love of being in and around kind of connecting people, connecting people to place more specifically, has been with me kind of, you know, since, since probably since I started walking, but um, certainly since I started my professional career, that first business publishing business, we ended up, um, we ended up partnering with the largest travel distributor in the world, started working with other kind of Silicon Valley startups and got some not got some new notions in my head of what a business could be.
0: Mm, that's really interesting, a publishing company that started it all oh, off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, super well it sounds like it sounds like you're like every business that you started, and specifically in hospitality is led into that original, like deep essence and connection for people like you literally take that host experience of like, showcasing your favorite coffee shop or like your favorite like rock climbing wall or maybe a nice waterfall to go to on a on a nice spring day or something like you really take that overall destination creation aspect of it into Mm -hmm. a whole new level and I think that's really unique and really cool and why I think we connected really well because that's something that um from me what I experienced in the hotel space but then carried over when I started getting into vacation rentals and I think um as we, like you said, professionalize a little bit more, it gets like that deepness essence of of being the guide, um, as uh, our friend David from Hostfully would say, is you are that mm. guide, and yeah. so I think I think it's pretty pretty rock solid.
1: Yeah. What one fun last story there, Will. So my first real job out of college was actually a bike and kayak guide, mm. and I, I worked in the San Juan Islands, which is up you know it well, right? It's oh yeah, our, of course. Both of our homeland, the Northwest, and <laughs> It was really fun because we would go for these kind of four to five day kayak trips out to islands and you'd be taking people camping. Uh, You'd be seeing these amazing places, killer whales. Those were always the highs. But the reality was you were also hosting these people who were usually a little bit intimidated Mm -hmm. and they might've been saving up. I had people who were saving up for a decade to be able to take this trip. Wow. And therefore the goal as the guide was yes, to make everyone feel comfortable and loved, but to give them an experience that they could never forget. Because if they had saved up their money for any amount of time, it was our duty to take care of them and like really unlock the magic that is the Pacific Northwest or the place you are. So even, even prior to starting publishing companies, I, I do agree that being that guide, being that host is uh, a really special place to be and is at the
0: foundation of, of all hospitality. No, I love that. I think that's just going to be the statement of the episode right there. Um, <laughs> Great. No, my man. So let's... I, I really want to touch into this because you're on you're in a specific segment of hospitality um, that is one tech two revenue management and I'm yes. a geek for revenue management I love this stuff I actually read articles and blogs and podcasts on complete revenue management side spin-offs on my free time like mm-hmm. this is where I love and so I've been loving to see wheelhouse so i want you to to introduce what wheelhouse is to the audience uh maybe break it down you know the goal and mission um you like you said you you started companies in this space with publishing to now wheelhouse and fill us in like what was the overall origin of wheelhouse why did that idea spin off to you and why did you find it so important to create
1: yeah so um really great question so fellow fellow revenue geek revenue management geek here too right like it's just It's one of those things where, um, especially in the short-term rental space, it's also, it's almost like an infinitely deep and interesting category, right? How challenging is it to try to translate demand signals from all these various sources into an understanding of what and what and how you should kind of price your supply on any given day. Mm -hmm. Um, so wheelhouse, yes, is a, it's a revenue management platform, specifically targeting short-term rental professionals and portfolios. And we have a new, we, we launched Wheelhouse Pro as of this morning.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I know we're gonna talk a little bit more about that, but what, what that really did was it added, um, Wheelhouse for six years has had a dynamic pricing tool that was very good at using data to inform your pricing strategy. And what we added to that with today's launch is market reports are live, so the ability to dive deeply into any market and understand travel trends and how they're evolving, something that's particularly important during COVID,
0: mm-hmm. as
1: well as a booking score tool to um, basically help people understand every single booking they come in obviously impacts their expected revenue. Yeah. And especially you know, in the short-term rental space where you usually have a single home, you can only sell that home once for a particular day. You want to make sure you get the right booking. And then thirdly, the thing that we push into beta today is benchmarking and competitive sets. So basically mm-hmm. with wheelhouse now, you have a uh, holistic revenue management platform. It's designed to give people everything from the data to the controls so that they can kind of look at the data, look at their market and comp set evolving every single day to set their own strategy and to adjust it, or adjust it and kind of fine tune it where they see fit, all in the name of maximizing revenue and having um, basically earning more revenue saving more time, scaling more effectively. That is the goal of Wheelhouse's Remedy Management Platform.
0: So how did this come about? Like what what made you say, you know what? This is where I need to go.
1: Yeah, again, um, a little bit of uh, right place, accidental discovery in the sense that I got brought in by a group of investors seven years ago to run a company called Beyond Stays. Mm -hmm. Beyond Stays was actually a very early version of a professional short-term rental management company in an urban area. Right. Yeah. Of course, we've had there have been plenty of ownership groups who've done an amazing job of this and vacation destinations for years. But uh Beyond Stays along with Pillow back, you know, seven, eight years ago, these are the teams that were looking at kind of early versions of how could you take an ups kind of a elevated hospitality model, mm-hmm. apply it specifically to urban Airbnb inventory, and increase your revenue, kind mm-hmm. of build build a, a bigger and better business. And um after running the company for about three months, we were literally updating prices by hand for 35 listings in San Francisco. And a friend and I, as a weekend hack project, built what was probably the first automatic updater of Airbnb. Mm. Literally, like, we just sat in a coffee shop. I talked his ear off and he he wrote all the code, right? <laughs> uh, still a friend to this day, I've worked as with many, many Great partnerships usually start out. <laughs> Absolutely, I'm the talker, he's the builder, yeah. Um, <laughs> And truly, uh, you know, friend for life, individual who has helped on, on kind of build n- numerous instances of, of cool technology. We can talk more about that as we go. But um, we we kind of uh, built that first for ourselves as an operating company and then said, you know, we like this. Why don't we just share it with everyone? And we put it on product hunt and it kind of blew up. That was first is mm. beyond pricing. Um, where what Wheelhouse has done and kind of Wheelhouse plus Lyric, which is kind of a larger operating co. Um, What we basically did is we said, we wanted to take a deeper dive into the data science and really how do you operationalize revenue management? Because pricing is really hard. We know, and the premise of both, of all pricing tools in our space, the basic premise is hosts and owners lack the time, skills, data, sometimes the permission, and sometimes the risk profile to be able to price their inventory accurately. Right, Time, skills, and data are the hardest things, right? Revenue management is super hard skill, having access to all the data you would need to be able to price your home effectively, having time to update it. That's why we developed software to help people understand how they could be pricing on a given day, right? So all the software in the space aims to address that. And what I think Real House has done a particularly good job of is saying, okay, well, that's a great premise to have. Now, how do you A, B test and how do you run really rigorous control studies? how do you do deep data science that actually translates this massive number of signals or kind of massive amount of noise really into a clear mm-hmm. signal of how every single pre- home should be priced on every single day. It's really hard. Um, it's really fun, but yeah, truly got started in, around the excitement that yes, this is a really difficult problem. I thought we could help all the individual entrepreneurs who are building their own business. It's a yeah. really, um, as an entrepreneur, whenever you see a problem that has um, kind of the narrative around it is, is, probably incorrect. You know, at the time when we started short-term rentals were still the alternative inventory space. I thought that there was an incorrect narrative. So if you see an incorrect narrative and you have a group of people, and luckily in San Francisco, we have a a kind of a plethora of engineering and data science talent. If you have folks who can contribute positively to wealth creation for others, there's a really cool chance to build a business.
0: Well, I love that. And uh, it just, it takes the old version of a weekly rate and a weekend rate or a high peak season rate and a low peak season rate kind of just throws that idea out the door. Cause we've all learned specifically through COVID that we cannot keep leaving money on the table. And I love that you guys are using this as a way to, for other entrepreneurs, because I find hospitality as a whole, whether your hotels, restaurants, vacation rentals, etc., very entrepreneurial. Very entrepreneurial, like absolutely some amazing people. Um, but before we get into my question that I have on Wheelhouse, I need two things for you, my friend. Mm-hmm. Can we break down what benchmarking and comset is for sure. audience members maybe that are still learning a little bit more about this as they're getting into the space, whether it's hotels or vacation rentals, what does that term mean and why do sure. we use
1: it? Sure, so the way I like to describe this is um, so benchmarking and comp sets very specifically are looking at usually nearby similar properties and mm-hmm. understanding how they're doing usually at a very basic level from a revenue perspective to put your p- performance in perspective, right? So what I always like to say is in hospitality, everything is relative. And that means if you told me what your home or your property made, let's just say, let's take a single family home and let's say you made $5,000 last month. Mm-hmm. Well. I don't know anything more than you do about how you did unless I know other data points. So, for example, well, what did you make the month before? What did you make the year before, same month? What did the other, let's say you're a three-bedroom, what did the other three bedrooms near you do? What were you expected to make versus what you actually made? How was that revenue derived from ADR? or from nightly rates versus occupancy. So a comp set and benchmarking tool, is the same thing, but really it is a means to identify the right inventory near you, for which when other people are shopping, they're either choosing your home or one of these many other homes. And if they select yours or they select others, we can translate all those different booking patterns into an understanding of relatively, how are you doing? And once we know if you're outperforming your comp set, or underperforming your comp set. Well, now we know what changes to start making about your business.
0: I love that. That was like one of the most nice, easily explained ways to describe benchmarking and comp set. And I love that, like specifically, just because I think we get, we have so many acronyms in the industry. We have so many definitions and certain words that we use, like talking to anybody who's getting into it. This is all like you feel like you're you're talking to a wall because this is so new and so uh there i think this is like the area of hospitality that there's so many variables that can give you such a different result um one little tweak in your listing or in your pricing or in your cleaning fee or in this can guarantee or shift a certain revenue number occupancy or lack of occupancy and like you said um controlling
1: Well, I, I like what you said there, Will, because, um, I look, I've worked in this space for seven years and I know that 2021 is going to look a lot different. Oh yeah. And, and ev- even for us, right. I think the whole revenue management space is still too much of a black box. There's still too much jargon mm-hmm. and what that's, what that's prevented people from doing, and I have to take as much blame for this as anyone, right? What it, what that has prevented people from doing is taking advantage of something that actually works to drive. Yeah positive business outcomes. Mm-hmm. So definitely our goal this year in either communication or educational content we're producing is, is to show people that like revenue management, um, it's, it's actually quite accessible. And as soon as you get that first win from adjusting your pricing strategy, that first booking for more than you thought, or yep. that first month where you doubled your revenue, you're hooked, right? So what we like to say right now, a couple of things. One is as soon as you list a property online, you are actually doing revenue management. Whether you know it or not, you have set a price and whether you get the same price every single night of the year, whether you have a high and low season rate or whether you're using an automated pricing tool like Wheelhouse to look at every single market demand signal, update prices every single day in an automatic fashion and maximize revenue. It, it's actually about the same level of difficulty as setting like a basic strategy as the most advanced data-driven strategy. That's, mm-hmm. that's the power of software right? Doesn't mean you should set it and forget it. You definitely need your hands on it. That's really part one, right? But but part two is there's some really basic pieces to revenue management. Um, For example, there are really only three demand trends in every single market that people need to understand. And once you know those, it's remarkable how fast we've seen people go from Again, looking at data, kind of uh, revenue management, saying, "Wow, there's a lot of noise. What do I do here?" To again deciphering that pattern. So when you log onto a Wheelhouse, you see the pattern in the bookings, you see the pattern in the performance of your portfolio, and you know what to quickly do. It's minutes yeah. of work once you know what it. Once you know how to do it.
0: And I love that. And you just described something that like literally took me to a flashback of my first revenue management meeting, where I was like, you know, just sitting there to listen in, and I gave a little. Thing off of a pattern that I saw, which I think this is the key word that you're talking about. And when you're doing revenue management, is seeing the patterns, not having the data there, but deciphering out the noise and figuring out what the pattern actually is when it comes to pace and actual booking and confirmed revenue on the books. And that for me is when it got really exciting because we implemented new things and we saw the next report next week. Oh my gosh, we crushed it. And all the changes that we made were pretty much dead on. And so It just gave me a cool flashback. Loved it. Uh, I think it's why we geek out so much about this stuff because it's such a high, it's such an exciting time. And like you said, the moment you're like, oh, I think I'm going to list my property on Airbnb or Verba or even maybe get into boutique hotels, you are now doing revenue management. And there's a lot that goes into it and we don't see it that way, but it does, there's a lot of steps that get into it that you're actually basically becoming a revenue manager all in all. Correct. Um, yeah, but and, I and want you to get, either, you can either choose to do revenue management well, Yeah,
1: yeah. but it, we, we always, we, we need to remember the choice to not do revenue management. Well, is, a, is that it, we're also making a decision. Yeah. So like, I just, I just, it's, it's fun to see people gain confidence in their ability to, uh, really drive more revenue from their properties. like, it's mm-hmm. a really fun unlock.
0: hundred And then I think it unlocks, oh, like, I love that you just said that unlocks the. uh, ability for brand like for brand building i think when you give that confidence boost and you start to say okay we're actually making money we can actually create a real brand and story with this i'm mm-hmm. um, not obviously saying hey we made this much this much dollars this month but you could really go into the same okay how can we make this more for us like how can we get really creative with this and put a cool story or a logo yeah. or a website and all this other stuff together and, and create something that just doesn't isn't just a property on a booking site it's literally now become part of your your company your business your your look your style your it becomes sexy all in all in my like my head like yeah revenue management is sexy it can it becomes be. professional yeah exactly <laughs> yeah that too Um, yeah. i want to get into the, the the discussion of dynamic pricing mm-hmm. because i think this is a word I want to say it gets thrown around a lot, but it's very like very common. If we're in a clubhouse room or if we're on LinkedIn or if we're on Facebook or Instagram, like at least us hospitality people, we're seeing dynamic pricing usually in a conversation somewhere. Um, and so how often do you get asked about how accurate data or how the you know, data could be accurate um, with dynamic pricing? How do you guys know? Like, how is this, what is dynamic pricing in the sense of yeah. accuracy? Yeah, so dynamic
1: pricing specifically, or the way I think about it is, how do you translate demand signals into accurate pricing forecasts
0: for? Internet? And what would you what would you consider demand signals?
1: Demand signals are um, other rooms that are booking. Uh, it's hotel. It's pri- basically it's pricing signal and booking signal put most simply, right? So when you're trying to forecast demand, the first thing you look at is price, right? And a a price in any market or any commodity is is a signal of what the market thinks something is or will be worth, right? So if you think about a stock, people will pump up a stock price because they think it is going to be worth more in the future. And similarly, when hotels, flights and others put prices on their properties, that's the price they are expecting to get. So one signal that you always look for when you're kind of trying to calculate demand is a uh, pricing signal so how are other things priced in your market the second really important signal put most simply is booking patterns so once prices are listed on the market who's booking what where and when in the short-term rental space one of the fun things is like okay well you get to look at how are seven you know how are seven bedroom places in tahoe booking on a particular month on a particular day <laughs> Right, mm-hmm. you, can, you can slice the inventory by, by in so many fun ways to, to pick apart markets and see what's actually booking. And what I always like to say what's very interesting about the short-term rental space and one of the reasons it's hard to price is because uh, let's say you have a two-bedroom and you're next to order another two-bedroom with a pool.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, what's the pool worth? Yeah. And the, the answer, there is no singular answer. The answer is, well, is it the 4th of July or July 4th? are there three pools near you or 300? Is there a photo of your pool in the first two photos or is it the last one? And is that pool clean and has someone written a review? We love playing in your pool, whatever it is, right? So you can see that everything from in the short-term rental space, why dynamic pricing is hard and we'll get to the data that helps unlock it in a second here. But the reason pricing in the short-term rental space is hard is every single property is unique. Yep. There are now, we're now in the game of how do we take not only a home, but all the different attributes porch, pool, patio, Wi-Fi, parking, dog policy, cancellation policy, et cetera, damage deposit. How do we take all of those things, look at booking patterns against them and translate that into an effective understanding of your unique property? Yeah, 100%. Right? And, and in the short-term rental space, the other thing is a little different than the hotel space. Last thing again, and then we'll get into the data, is in the short-term rental space, what I always encourage people to to know is we are in the business Of selling 24 photos. Hmm. Now, if you took a hotel room, it'd be kind of hard to take 24 photos that would sell of a hotel room. People don't really shop that way. But when consumers are shopping for short term rental offerings, they are looking through your photos and they are telling themselves a story of what their trip is going to be. Now, you need to think about the consumer that you're targeting because that consumer might be a family, it might be a business traveler, it might be You know, whoever it is, it might be a Dallas Cowboys fan, right? So whatever story you're trying to craft for the, for the audience that you're trying to connect with, you do that through photos. Sure. You Mm -hmm. can have nice write-ups, but the photos are going to tell a story, right? So you're in the business of selling 24 photos. And the reason that matters is because even seasonally people are shopping for things. Meaning when people are looking at your place in the summer, they want to see a pool. Mm -hmm. And when they're looking in the winter, they want to see a fireplace or a hot tub or a warm cup of coffee right? Mm -hmm. So literally in the short-term rental space, these are all, this is what we just described in the first part of this answer is really the plethora of data points you have to look at pricing signal, demand signal, individual properties, all the attributes down to the photos to understand what are unique places worth, right? That's, that's the challenge. Now, what I will be the first to tell you, Will. So Wheelhouse, just for blunt numbers, we analyzed 3 million listings per night. We've done so for six years. That's more than 10 billion data points per night. We stored all that data. We get data from multiple channels and partnerships. We've had 50,000 linked properties. We've been able to run A-B tests against all those. And as Lyric, we were able to run the most controlled A-B test probably ever done in the short-term rental space on similar inventory where we tested everything from cancellation policy by channel to like you name it. Right, yeah. literally, probably the most controlled A/B test ever done, truly, uh, in the short-term rental space. That is, um, and so therefore we have a huge amount of data. Da- da- data quantity isn't often the problem; it's the quality of data, and it's how you translate that data, and how do you kind of build a model and then measure the performance of that model or pricing engine to truly understand that you're creating value. So, yes, Wheel has has a lot of data. We have a very unique statistical approach to, uh, analyzing that data. We basically run probably one of the world's largest instances of what's known as a survival model Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and a survival model is a different, um, approach to pricing than traditional hotel revenue management. It's, uh, it's a predictive model that allows us to say, well, your home either books or doesn't book in the short-term rental space. You're either hundred percent booked. And as soon as you're booked, you can't make any more money. Or if you don't sell, you make $0. And that is yeah. different than portfolio management that is done in the hotel space. Yeah. So I was just going to ask. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. now I know this is a very long-winded answer, but really what we're going from here is, is, is from the data that you have to the statistical approach that you take from it. And then what we're going to do next. So the statistical approach, we we published all of our research on our blog, use wheelhouse.com slash blog. You can go read, uh, it's a 30 minute, um, read according to the medium of like how every unique component of this pricing engine works, but we publicize all of it, right? Yeah. we're fine sharing it with the world. But lastly, what we need to do better despite all this, because for too long the revenue management space has said, let us tell you about all the data we have and let us tell you how good we are. And the revenue management space has done a poor job and this is with hotels too, of showing people the data allowing them to export and audit the data allow mm. them to go back and say well what did wheelhouse tell me to do two months ago or three months ago what did they tell me to do last week and were they right or wrong and how accurate were they that is the change that we get to kind of move into because we have told people about kind of like i do believe we're very very good at pricing. i, I believe our pricing engines are the best in the short-term rental space i know we've invested a huge amount of time and care in it in it, in it but it's really my word versus you know and, and that's that's not good enough. So this this year, twenty twenty one, one of the f- things that'll be fundamentally different is we'll go from telling people about the data we're using, how we're using, it, et cetera, to truly showing them and empowering them to do their own to do their own uh, changes in a, in a new and novel way.
0: Something that we talk about on the show quite often has been transparency, and yeah. we've always been focusing on the guest, the transparency on the experience and cleaning procedures and. You know how are we handling linens and da, 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 like all these things, but never have I ever heard uh, someone say that they're going to be transparent with showing data to the way you just described it. Is that why you guys like what what's driving that yeah. for you? When we um when we like for
1: brass tags when we lost lyric as our operating co back in March of last year, right? Mm-hmm. Lyric is Lyric is the operating company we built on top of Wheelhouse. We love the brand we were building. It's all about connection and um, truly connecting people to the, tr- the the communities they travel to. But when we when we thought it was going to be pretty hard to survive COVID, at least with with uh, operating exposure, we doubled down and we basically we took a look at the various softwares that we had built and we said, well, where's where's the most likely place we can make a real impact yeah. in twenty twenty one. And the place where we thought we could make an impact was bringing a new professional version of Wheelhouse to market. That was part one. So, kind of, we ended up uh, increasing the size of the team on Wheelhouse pretty dramatically. But part two was, we are and will continue to be on a mission to change, uh, to change the revenue management in space in a way that, candidly, if we have been one hundred percent focused on it for the last six years, we we hopefully would have already done. Mm. But that is to truly make this space. Uh, As empowering to make the data sets as transparent as they need to be for people to build their own unique businesses. So, we came in, we we came into uh, kind of came out of 2020 and 2021 thinking two things as a team. One is we're very excited to help other entrepreneurs build their business and recover from COVID. And even if you're doing great, you know, if 2020 was a great year because you're a drive to destination, well, let's make 2021 even better.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Right? No reason to sit on our laurels. That's part one. And part two was we as a team just thought it would be. Uh, kind of honor the work of our other teammates if we took the gut punch of losing of losing Lyric, the operating co and, and built back and showed other entrepreneurs that like, yeah, you can take a, a tough punch and, and build back. So we, we've taken a lot of uh, the teammates I'm privileged enough to work with to this day. We take a lot of pride in working our tails off to make sure that we not only are powering other entrepreneurs in this space, but that we're doing justice to the people who put in a huge amount of time with us building Lyric alongside us. And, and Wheelhouse Pro, the thing we launched today is is really uh, the first big launch of, of about three that will come up in the next three months here uh, that will showcase kind of the work that we, that we've done.
0: That's awesome. That's so super inspirational. Like just, yeah, all through, I almost literally almost got teary eyed. Um, oh, thanks. Buddy. Yeah. We, we well, do love uh, what we do. We love what no, we do. I, I could hear it and I could see it. And like for the, obviously podcast listeners aren't watching you, but we're hearing it and I can really like, it just, it does carry through and what you're saying. So I, I love that. Yeah. Um, I want to. You've been mentioning, you know, short-term rental sector, short-term rental sector, short-term rental sector, and we're talking about dynamic pricing. And once you're booked uh, for a vacation rental, you're 100% occupied. There's no more making more money. But if you don't get booked, you're making zero dollars. Um, so why is dynamic pricing? I know the answer to this, but why is dynamic pricing different in the short-term rental space compared to hotels and, va- and airlines? Because you kind of just gave it up, but and I just did too in the asking of this question. But in the in the overall sense, why is it so important then if that's the actual case of you're booked, yeah. you're making money, you're not booked, you're not making money.
1: Yeah. Well, so think about that. That's it's really what you just there's so many interesting things about this question, right? So basically what you just described is predicting binary outcomes, right? Uh-huh. You're a zero or you're a one. You're booked or you're you're booked or you're available. And as soon as again, as soon as your book, you can't sell for a dollar more and you can't sell on any other channel either. Right. So it's, it's a strange thing where wheelhouse and our statistical approach, the reason you can't take a regression model and just slap it on the category as, as hotels have usually done is because again, that kind of binary outcome is so important to get right that you need a totally new way to predict it. And the reality is that uh, when we set a pricing signal, what Wheelhouse is designed to do is to maximum your, ma- maximize your outcome in the most number of scenarios, right? So um, we actually don't take the riskiest path. Mm. We don't have people who say, you know, take the most risk, like I didn't turn on wheelhouse and automate it for you to take the most risk. Just like if you're going to give your money to a a portfolio manager, you want to know what the risk profile is. And and the thing is, it's like, we're going to maximize your your outcome in in the most scenarios. Doesn't mean you can't come in and dial up risk or dial down risk, however you want. But uh, we're going to kind of um, maximize all these different individual binary outcomes of you're either booked or you don't book at all and try to maximize basically the revenue associated with that. So it's really hard. And again, it's a slightly different statistical approach. Now, different from hotels. Hotels use their portfolio to pace, right? Often, right? So they're looking at how are they and other people near that? Like what percentage booked are they? X number of days out. And usually pre-COVID, they were able to say, well, you know, 50 days out, we really want to be 50% booked and we want X amount to come from, you know, channel A. We want Y amount to come from channel B, right? Whatever it may be um, transient, etc., In, uh, in the short-term rental space, you, you don't have that luxury and you don't really have that luxury unless you're one of the few urban professional operators that exist today who have the same supply, mm-hmm. right? Um, so therefore we have literally millions of people who are selling individual assets that they are trying to maximize revenue on. And they have to take a fundamentally new, again, a- approach to how do they, how do they price it? And the most important thing is we need to figure out how to pace you, not off your place once it goes, it's go- gone, but off of your entire market and your entire competitive set. So we've kind of created a new way to pace supply. And um, I guess this is winding into a little bit of a long winded answer, Will. And I don't know if I'm 100% getting to your question yet, but there are so many ways that hotel price, hotel dynamic pricing is different than short term rental. So let's just, the, the short and sweet of it is totally different statistical approaches. Part one. Part two is, In the hotel space, they're looking at a much smaller number of variables. So, you know, hotels are usually looking at a couple competitors, for example, call it four or five competitors. Mm -hmm. In the short-term rental space, your comp set is going to be up to 100 plus listings. Um, In the short-term rental space, you are competing against, if you're a two-bedroom, you might be competing against one-bedroom and four-bedrooms. We need to pace you against all of those. And again, since the consumer looks different in the short-term rental space, people buying for a particular, you know, that adventure they had in mind, we need to know- Who's buying your place? And therefore, like, how does your comp set shift over a week or over a year? So there's almost a lot more complexity to um, short-term rental management. What I like to say is 2021 is the year that hotels start to learn revenue management from short-term rentals as opposed to vice versa. Mm. Um, Because everything I just described there, whether it's the ability to have a model that can look at... You know the 25 different attributes associated with a home and understand the unique value of each of them, or whether it's pacing against a market, which is known as a reactive model, looking at every single booking to translate it into information about how to price. Those are strengths of Wheelhouse that we have been fine tuning for six years that holy smokes as hotels start to say, we need to borrow some of the merchandising patterns from short-term rentals, or we need to borrow some of the reactive modeling from short-term rentals. I think Wheelhouse is extremely well
0: positioned to help there. I love that because it, like you said earlier on the episode is because our inventory is so unique that we have to compare with all inventory. You can't just be a two bedroom and two bath comparing against two bedroom, two baths. You're comparing against the ones, the studios, the threes, maybe even a five Um, and versus hotels. Like I think of like when I was in Seaside, Oregon, it was, okay, we were comparing our two bedroom uh, suites to everybody else's two bedrooms and mm-hmm. comparing our one bedrooms to everybody else's one bedrooms and, or at least to the properties that met our standards of services and whatnot, but that's really a room type. You're not comparing a whole property type, um, right. which again, short term rentals. Is, I found it so unique, especially being in both worlds is that I think, and granted, like I have a lot of hotel people that listen to this podcast. So if they hear me on this right now, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not, not, you know, crapping on hotel revenue management, I'm not crapping on ho- hotels in general. Like I think we all have great products, but this is one thing that I think short-term rentals really can take pride in is that we are so different in a lot of ways, but we still belong at the seat of hospitality at the table of hospitality. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that what you're describing is just like super cool because yeah, you're you It's it becomes like a game in my sense, like in my head when I'm putting up a new property, and let's say it's a two bedroom, mm-hmm. two bath, whatever. And I'm compare I'm comparing against everybody. I'm not just going. Ah, oh, I like this one. This one looks like mine. This one looks like mine. This one looks like mine. Because none of them are going to fit that profile, and it becomes right. a game. And right. um, so I, I think that's just super, yeah, super exciting. And what you described was pretty much perfect.
1: Well, to, to the hotel folks who are listening too, right? I mean, there's, there's an opportunity to be working together here, right? There's an opportunity to look at the best performing properties near your, near your wh- whatever property you're managing today and say, well, wh- what are they doing well? Mm-hmm. What's different? What are they highlighting in their photographs? Because think about when you're looking at A B or kind of Airbnb and all the listings, it's a very, it's a highly iterative environment, meaning there's always new Airbnbs popping up. There's always new kind of high performers emerging. So you can go look at those high performers now and say, well, what should we be borrowing? What's the narrative we should be selling? Right. So there's kind of an, an opportunity to learn. And of course, you know, hotels, I, I think, you know, if you started to look at that short-term rental comp set, it's not like you'd ever not, it's not like you'd ever ignore it again. Right. And I think for, uh, what people need to realize in the hotel world post COVID is, uh, there are many professional operators in the short-term rental space who stumbled during COVID. There are a huge number of us who had lease exposure, who were designed for urban corporate travel, who did not, or might not survive COVID. Right. That's a pretty exposed place to be. However, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that the largest REITs, the largest private equity shops and other folks have said, you all have proven beyond a doubt that this category is for real. And major capital is going to come into this category. So whatever we see today, of course we see in drive to destinations, the demand, but there is more capital coming. So 2021 has to be the year you pay attention to this. Mm -hmm. And like, there there are people who can help, um, you know, Yes, we have software, but we also we're just friendly folks, right? We're going to collaborate with you if we can be helpful in any ways. Like, please reach out to us. But it's it's the professionalization of the category is only going to accelerate. We've seen it in the IPO of Airbnb, and the you know post post IPO valuation was north of 100 billion dollars. On the rumors of you know is Verbo going to spin out because they're so darn valuable that maybe it's a smart move, right? Uh, so there's all this interesting stuff happening. Um, again, you see these large uh, traditional. Everyone, you know, reads and others are saying it's time to have uh, a presence in the "quote unquote" short-term rental space, and really, that, what that means is usually distributed single-family homes or mm-hmm. multi-family buildings that might be right next door
0: to you. So, yeah. it's really important for people to lean in and learn a little bit more here. Couldn't agree more. You said it perfectly. I'm pretty much just going to use that for future things forever and ever and ever. Um, for for the listeners, I, I like to jump back in just briefly on the dynamic pricing side of things. Um, how's, so, okay. When you have a dynamic pricing tool, like a wheelhouse, there's a lot of, again, we've already described, there's a lot of variables. There's a lot of, okay. Well, it could be this. It could be that. It could be there. There's like 20 different things. And it's like, but then you set your price here, whether well, it's a benchmark, etc. cetera. Um, so how does a dynamic pricing tool get used to really actually make profit instead of just getting occupancy? What's the difference? Because I can oh, yeah. get occupied, but am I actually making money? So
1: great question. So the the more often the problem we run into in the short-term rental space is people are dramatically underpriced, right? And they actually think um, plenty of folks who've been in the game a long time will say like, well, if I haven't sold 30 days out, there's no way I'm going to get a booking. And we'll say, okay, well- we're looking at the data and 70% of the bookings are occurring in your market in the last 30 days. So are you, are you sure, are you sure about that? Or maybe have you sold for so long so early that, you know, the other 70% of the world that was looking to book a place didn't even see your home. Yeah. Right. So more often than not, because again, because people have lacked the time skills, sometimes the data, sometimes permission, and sometimes the, the risk Appetite to be able to price their homes more aggressively. More often, we see places that are uh, have decent occupancy but are underpriced. So the way rev- the way dynamic pricing can help anyone is basically um, we're either going to if you're if you have high occupancy, very likely that's an opportunity to drive what's known as your ADR or your average daily rate, right? And so if you go read our reviews on Wheelhouse, which are on Captera and TrustPilot and other things like that, it is not unusual for people to say. I literally doubled my revenue. Mm. Now, the other cool thing about revenue management—the reason it's a great thing to do—is even if you bumped revenue by five percent, it's five percent that goes straight to your bottom line because it costs you essentially nothing. Yeah, exactly. right. You're in the same room, so it's it's a pure. It's like almost a pure pass through to the bottom line. Meaning, revenue management—if you are driving your revenue up fifty it's almost a pass through fifty percent to your bottom line right? The cost of a pricing tool like wheelhouse, there's kind of two ways to pay for it, flat fee or or a transaction rate, but we're going to be de minimis against the upside of what you're going to earn. So if you happen to be driving really high ADR, but your occupancy is low, we're we're just going to help you find the right balance. But again, like the scenario where anyone is pricing perfectly wheelhouse included is doesn't exist, right? There's new demand signals that come in every single day. So whatever you priced yesterday at is by today inaccurate mm. if you want to stay up with demand, right? So dy- dynamic pricing, it not only figures out the right pr- pr- price for your place on every given night, it does so every given night in an automated fashion. So you're always, always up to speed. And every single new booking tells us more about what your place is worth. If mm. you were always selling for an average price of 250 and we bumped you to 350 and we got you a booking, does that mean we're going to peak you out at 350 no we're going to experiment higher right so that's the type of thing where um, and if we see your neighbors booking at 380 and yet you're booking first okay well we know that when your place versus your neighbor's place was available they booked you at a particular price that is a signal instant Mm -hmm. signal of the, the market the market has told us how to value your home. So dynamic pricing can make you more money by maximizing overall revenue. We'll do so by moving the levers of ADR or occupancy. And we'll do so on a consistent basis by updating every single night based on every single booking we see near you
0: so that you're always up to date. Mm. Man, I love this. This is such a fun episode. Um, well, Andrew, I think you just brought tons of value to the overall audience people that listen to every week and get excited and whenever they see that subscribed uh, notification come through on Apple podcasting, there's a new episode or they come back after, you know, catching up on on the hundreds of episodes that are already out. Um, This is such a good value piece. And I want to know for the audience that is listening uh, either right away, or maybe even just get to this episode as Wheelhouse is gaining more traction and you guys are getting really deep into the short-term rental market as we are launching your pro today. Um, What are you most excited for for the year to come from what you've learned in 2020 and the beginning of 2021? The theme of the product,
1: which is transparency, is the theme of our organization. And what I'm most excited about is... Um, as you can tell, I'm just so, uh, excited and honored by the opportunity to bring, um, to empower people this year, right? I've heard so many amazing stories. I've lived through kind of tough stories of like what happens, you know, what can happen to a business. And my goal is to make sure that businesses are well set up wheelhouses, long-term success is predicated on the industry, having a strong recovery. Mm -hmm. That is the most exciting thing for us. So I guess, um, yeah, I think, I think about being a part of the build back in 2021, that's extremely exciting to me. I think about, uh, my lessons learned of continuing to like push towards being a more transparent, more communicative leader in difficult times, you learn some tough lessons around that stuff. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm not gonna lie, even though 2020 was a tough year, it was a year packed with lessons. Um, every veteran kind of CEO and entrepreneur I knew actually I said, congratulations for going through a downturn. Finally, because for 10 years in Silicon Valley, it's been pretty good. Yeah. So congratulations on going through a downturn. Hope you learn a lot and, and stay on the field. Yeah. It, that's the message. And that's the message I would pass on to everyone too. I hope you learned a lot and stay on the field because 2021 is going to be a build back, And yeah. we're going to be here to help.
0: I love that. Yeah, I remember my, my first day as an entrepreneur was December 28th, 2019. Full-time, quit my day job. Everything, and then barely made it three months, and we hit a downturn. But dude, it's been it's been I, I couldn't be more thankful for it, and so I couldn't be more. It literally would not not in the sense of like the the bad part. Obviously, there's a lot of bad. It was a pandemic for goodness sake. So no no good comes from that. But the other other than that, the the moments that have led to where we are today. Um, you know, being able to meet you and getting to meet a bunch of other great people uh, remotely safely, but then also continue doing what we love I think this is something that's so important that we're I I don't know it's just it gives me a lot of excitement and I kind of like lose words for it when you get to talk with people like yourself and all the other guests that have been on the podcast and soon to be on the podcast well it just shows that the industry really is pushing forward and uh, I think we like you said we've all learned a lot and I'm excited to keep seeing us all in the field again yeah and a lot of new folks are coming in I
1: love it a lot of new folks are coming in that's what I guess that's the other fun discovery, which is there are communities popping up um kind of all over online, particularly Clubhouse and other yeah. places where there are people sharing everything they're learning in their markets to help others. And it is really cool. It's pretty unique. There aren't many categories like it,
0: mm-hmm. um, but certainly really fun to see right now. No, oh, I love it. Well, obviously all my listeners know I'm going to put everything in the show notes of where to find you, how to get on Wheelhouse, um, your blog that shows all the transparency that you're talking about, all this stuff. But just for the sake of, you know, the sake of saying it, um, mm-hmm. where can people find you? Where can people get to this amazing access of, of data and tools to use?
1: Yeah. So use wheelhouse.com that, you know, basic www.usewheelhouse.com is the best place to go. What I'll say is that the market reports that we um, talked about bringing the platform, those are free. Those are free right now, right? That's going to be free at least through Q2, probably longer, to be honest, Mm. just so people can understand how the market's evolving. You can sign up for a free account with wheelhouse, right? Sign up for a free account. We'll get you a market report. You can look at your properties and see how we would price them without paying a thing right? Mm. So use wheelhouse.com is the easiest place to go. And we have 24 seven chat and we have educational content there to learn a whole lot more. Of course you can find or follow us on all sorts of social media. We're easy to find. We're most active on Twitter. I know it's a little professional and boring, but we're really active on LinkedIn. I love it. kind of active on Facebook and we're, we're trying to be active on YouTube and, and Instagram, but really it's Twitter. Twitter and LinkedIn is where you're going to find us talking to folks all day. Um, but yeah, come to, come to our website or reach out to us at hello at usewheelhouse.com. We'd love to say hello and obviously learn more about your business and
0: see if we can help for sure. And I'll put everything, like I said, in the show notes, but if anybody listening is like, Hey, Will, can you make me an introduction or can you give me any type of tools I'm in? Uh, I love to, to help everyone find and discover wheelhouse. So go ahead and do that as well. you can find us in the club with bottles full of bub, just kidding. I uh, clubhouse, but just kidding. That's a, a horrible joke. I can't believe I just did that. <laughs> um, but Trish. Yeah, <laughs> you can find us in clubhouse as well. We're doing lots of cool rooms and I'm going to drop this little bomb here. I wasn't planning on doing it for myself or for my audience, but there's another show concept coming out uh, on the slick talk uh, network here. And so uh, Andrew will be involved. So if you really like this episode, stay tuned because we're going to um, have a fun little exciting give back and no no pun intended. Um, But Andrew, my friend, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been a pleasure to talk with you and geek out for a little bit. And then of course, hear the passion and love that you have for the industry. Uh, It's pretty inspiring. I can't wait to continue to see what you guys do. So thanks for being on the show. Thanks so much. Great hosting. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. We love your support and want to provide the best we can to all our listeners. So please find us online, social media, and on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcast. What's up, everybody? If you've gotten this far into the episode of Slick Talk, the Hospitality Podcast, then you are amazing. And thank you so much for tuning in.